The personal stories expressed in this series reflect the true experiences and opinions of the guests and may not represent the official position of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Elder M. Russell Ballard of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles has said, There is hope for the addicted, and this hope comes through the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ and by humbling oneself before God, pleading to be freed of the bondage of addiction and offering our whole soul to Him in fervent prayer. Priesthood leaders can help as those who have addiction seek counsel from them. Where necessary, they can refer them to qualified licensed counselors and LDS family services. The addiction recovery program adapted from the original 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is readily available through LDS Family Services. In this series, you will hear actual meetings discussing each of the gospel principles of addiction recovery and healing. Addiction recovery meetings have strict guidelines of confidentiality and anonymity. These podcasts may seem contradictory to such standards. All the participants in these meetings are active participants in the addiction recovery program and have willingly volunteered to participate. Their experiences are genuine and not fabricated. These recordings were created with the express purpose of providing a way for individuals who are isolated from recovery groups to participate, as well as provide an example to church leaders and members of a typical meeting. Today's meeting will discuss Step 4, Truth. Welcome to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Meeting. I'm Elder Ennis, and I am serving as the missionary group leader this evening. I see we do not have anybody here for the first time, but still we would like to go around the room and introduce ourselves. We'll start here at my left and go clockwise from there. My name's Robert, and I'm an addict and alcoholic. Hi, Robert. Hi, Robert. Hi, Robert. Hi, Robert. My name's Scott, and I'm a recovering drug addict. Hey, Scott. My name's Cammie, and I'm a recovering addict. Hi, Cammie. Hi, Cammie. I'm Abra, I'm a recovering addict. Hi, Abra. I'm Sharon, and I'm an addict. Hi, Hi Sharon. Sharon. My name's Rich, I'm a recovering Addict. Hi, Rich. I'm Lindsay. I'm an addict. Hi, Lindsay. My name is Dub. I have multiple addictions. Hi, Dub. Uh, my name's Steve. Addict, alcoholic. Steve. Hi, Steve. Thank you. We don't have any announcements for this meeting, so with that, could somebody volunteer to open with prayer? Sure, I will. Right, your kind Heavenly Father. We thank Thee this night for the opportunity we have to come together. Lord, we pray Thy Spirit to be with us in this meeting today and that we can grow as brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we pray for addicts everywhere that they may have an experience that will bring them closer to Thee. We love You, and I'm grateful for this program and for the atonement. And we love You and say in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks, Sharon. As with all of our meetings, we open with the mission statement, and that is, The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Meetings assists those who desire to recover from addiction. We also welcome family and friends whose lives may be affected by the addiction of another. We are a group of brothers and sisters who share our experience, faith, and hope as we study and apply the principles of the gospel as they correlate with the 12 steps of recovery. Our meetings provide a safe place for honest sharing because we adhere to the principles of confidentiality and anonymity, and we use appropriate language and behavior to invite the Spirit to be with us. 
as we practice these 12 steps in our lives, we receive power through the atonement of Jesus Christ to overcome addiction and receive the full blessings of the gospel. Family and friends who practice these same 12 steps will also find hope and healing for themselves. We'll now go around the room and read each of the 12 steps found on page Roman numeral number 4 in your guidebook. We invite each person who is willing to read one step. It is perfectly acceptable to pass if you prefer to listen only. We'll go ahead and once again start at my left. Step one, admit that you of yourself are powerless to overcome your addictions and that your life has become unmanageable. Step two, come to believe that the power of God can restore you to complete spiritual health. Step three, decide to turn your will and your life over to the care of God, the Eternal Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. Step four, make a searching and fearless written moral inventory of yourself. Step five, admit to yourself, to your Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, to proper priesthood authority, and to another person the exact nature of your wrongs. Step six, become entirely ready to have God remove all your character weaknesses. Step seven, humbly ask Heavenly Father to remove your shortcomings. Step eight, seeking forgiveness. We make a written list of all persons we have harmed and become willing to make restitution to them. Step nine, wherever possible, make direct restitution to all persons we have harmed. Step 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when you are wrong, promptly admit it. Step 11, seek through prayer and meditation to know the Lord's will and to have the power to carry it out. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of the atonement of Jesus Christ, share this message with others and practice these principles in all you do. Thank you. Each week we focus on a different step. This week we will read step 4, starting on page 21 from a guide to addiction recovery and healing. We will go around the room and each person who is willing may read one to two paragraphs. You may pass if you prefer to listen. We have an extra copy of the guide for you to use in this meeting in case you do not have one. During the reading, listen for thoughts and feelings and experiences you have in common with those who have taken these steps. We'll continue where we left off. Step four, truth. Key principle, make a searching and fearless written moral inventory of yourself. When you took step three, you decided to trust the Lord. You turned your will and your life over to His care. In step four, you show your willingness to trust God. You make a searching and fearless written inventory of your life, surveying or summarizing the thoughts, events, emotions, and actions of your life, making your inventory as complete as possible. Doing a fearless and thorough inventory of your life will not be easy. When we say fearless, we do not mean you will have no feelings or fear. You will likely experience many emotions as you survey your life, including embarrassment or shame or fear. Fearless means you will not let your fears stop you from being thorough in the inventory process. In step four, it means you commit to rigorous honesty as you focus on events in your life, including your own weaknesses and not on anyone else's weaknesses. In the past, you probably justified bad behavior and blamed other people places, or things for the problems you had created. Now you will begin to take personal responsibility for past and current actions. Even though you may need to acknowledge painful, embarrassing, or difficult events, thoughts, emotions, or actions, if the thought of making a searching and fearless inventory of yourself feels overwhelming, know you are not alone. 
Our hearts go out to you. We remember our struggles to find the willingness to complete this step. Many of us have wondered if we might skip step four entirely and still overcome our addictions. Eventually, we had to believe the words of those who went before us. Without a searching and fearless moral inventory, the faith which really works in daily living is still out of reach. Addiction crippled our ability to reflect honestly about our lives. It limited our ability to understand the damage and havoc, the liabilities that caused in all our relationships. Before we could confidently rely on the Savior, we needed a framework through which he could help us sort out our past honestly. Step 4 provided that framework. It was the vigorous and painstaking effort to discover what these liabilities in each of us have been and are. The inventory was also a step in helping us align our lives with the will of God. Through this inventory, we identified negative thoughts, emotions, and actions that ruled our lives. By discovering those destructive elements in our lives, we took the first step toward correcting them. Doing an inventory was difficult, but this step opened the door to the additional faith and hope we needed to continue our recoveries and overcome addiction. How to do an inventory. Once we had admitted the need for step four, the next questions became, but just how do I do an inventory? What tools will I need? An inventory is a very personal process, and there is no single right way to do it. You can consult with others who have already done an inventory and seek the Lord's guidance in doing your own. He will help you be truthful and loving as you sort through your memories and feelings. One way to do an inventory is to list memories of people, institutions, or organization, principles, ideas, or beliefs, and events, situations, or circumstances that trigger positive and negative feelings, including sadness, regret, anger, resentment, fear, bitterness. Some items on our list may appear multiple times. That is okay. Do not try to sort or judge or analyze at this point. For now, the most important thing to be as thorough as possible. As you do your inventory, look beyond your past behaviors and examine the thoughts, feelings, and beliefs that led to your behavior. Your thoughts, feelings, and beliefs are actually the roots of your addictive behaviors. Unless you examine all your tendencies toward fear, pride, resentment, anger, self-will, and self-pity, your abstinence will be shaky at best. You will continue with your original addiction or switch to another one. Your addiction is a symptom of other causes and conditions. Some people group their lives according to age, grades in school, places lived, or relationships. Others start simply by brainstorming. You will probably not remember everything all at once. Continue to be prayerful and allow the Lord to bring things to your remembrance. Leave this process open-ended and add to your inventory as your memories come. Once you have finished your list... Seek the Lord's guidance in learning from each memory. Some people organize this part of their inventory into a table or chart with columns under each of the five headings listed below. They restrict their entries to brief statements. Others create a page for each entry on their list and then write answers in each of the five categories. Incident, what happened? In just a few words, give a short description of your memory of the event. Think more in terms of a summary rather than a long story. Effect, 
What was the effect on you or others? Feelings. What were your feelings at the time of the incident? What are your feelings now about it? Consider how your fears may have contributed to it. Self-examination. How did your character weaknesses or strengths affect the situation? Do you see any evidence of pride, self-pity, self-deception, or self-will in your attitudes and actions? Be sure to record also those times when you acted right. The Holy Ghost can help you humble yourself and face the truth, even if the truth is painful. With the help of the Lord, you can recognize your strengths and weaknesses. Questions like these may help. What outcome did I want in this situation and why? How did I try to control the situation? Was it any of my business? What actions did I take or omit to get what I wanted? Did I ignore reality? Were my expectations reasonable for myself and others? Did I lie to myself or to others? Did I ignore the feelings of others and think only of myself? How did I act like a victim to control others, get attention and sympathy, be special, and so on? Did I resist help from God and others? Did I insist on being right? Did I feel slighted for lack of recognition or acknowledgement? Inspired counsel. What counsel does the Lord give concerning this incident? Remember, you have nothing to fear as you submit to the Savior. You are here to learn good from evil, and the Savior can help you forgive yourself and others. Record your thoughts and impressions as you consider inspired counsel from the scriptures and from church leaders. Four necessary elements. Four elements are critical to a successful moral inventory. Writing, honesty, support, and prayer. These elements of a moral inventory will help you recognize and overcome sins and shortcomings. Writing. The inventory of your life will be most effective if you write it. You can hold a written list in your hands, review it, and refer to it when necessary. Unwritten thoughts are easy to forget, and distractions can easily interrupt you. As you write your moral inventory, you will be able to think more clearly about the events in your life, and you will be able to focus on them with less distraction. Some people try to avoid writing their moral inventory, feeling embarrassed or fearful about their writing ability, or about someone else reading what they write. Don't let these fears stop you. Your spelling, grammar, penmanship, or typing skills do not matter. You can draw stick figures if you must, but get your inventory on paper until you put it in a tangible form. You still haven't done your first step. As you complete the fourth step, remember that perfectionism, trying to do your inventory perfectly and to please others, can block you from being complete. The fear of someone reading what you have written can be a genuine concern, but you can overcome it. Those of us who have done an inventory have had to face this fear. We had to do all we could to keep our inventory private and then trust the results to God. We had to care more about healing than about our ego or reputation. The inventory required us to call on God's help continuously, to ask Him to protect and guide us as we accomplished it. You must remember what step four is, an act of stepping out of the shadows of shame and admitting your need for repentance. If you will be prayerful about how and where to keep your inventory pages private, the Lord will guide you to do your best. Honesty. 
being honest with yourself about the sinful areas of your life can be terrifying. Often people avoid looking too closely at themselves in the mirror of the past, fearing the reflection may reveal the truth of what their lives have become. Now, as you take the fourth step, you must face the truth about your life and your fears squarely. In your inventory, you will not only discover your weaknesses, but you will also understand and appreciate your strengths better. Include in your inventory your good traits and the positive things you have done. In truth, you are a combination of weaknesses and strengths. As you become willing to see the whole truth about your past, good and bad, you allow the powers of heaven to reveal the truth and help you put the past in proper perspective. The Lord will help you change your life's course and fulfill your divine potential. You will learn that you are like all other humans with strengths and weaknesses. You can begin to face others on equal footing. Support. The encouragement and support of others who understand recovery can help us in our efforts. They can guide us in discovering the method, structure, or approach that will work best for us in reviewing our past. They can encourage us if we get discouraged. Prayer, as we consider the magnitude of step four and the challenge it represents, think of how the Lord has helped us in each previous step. As we turn to God for comfort, courage, and guidance, we found the help that will continue with us as we do an inventory. Paul taught that God is the God of all comfort who comforteth us in all our tribulations. If we pray each time we sit down to write our inventory, God will help us. We will learn this reality as we take the seemingly impossible step. God can and will always be there for us if we ask. Freeing yourself from the past. Some people are concerned about looking into the past for fear of inadvertently creating false memories from vague or exaggerated impressions. In doing your inventory, consider only those memories that are plain enough to be addressed and sorted through. Here again, trusting God is the answer. If you conduct your inventory with sincere prayer, with real intent, having faith in Christ, you can trust Him to bring those things to your remembrance that will help you in your recovery. One glorious result of completing step four is that you take a major step toward freeing yourself from behaviors that defined your past. The reflection of yourself that you will see as you complete this step can inspire you to change the direction of your life if you will let it. Because of the love and grace of the Savior, you do not have to be what you have been. By calling on the Lord for guidance as you examine your life, you will come to recognize your experiences as learning opportunities. You will find that uncovering weaknesses you have suffered with for so long will allow you to move forward to a new life. Thank you. These 12 steps are a program of action. As we read the section called Action Steps, we learn about recovery and gospel actions we can take to come unto Christ and receive power to live in recovery from addiction. Let's continue with the action steps. Write in a personal journal. Seek guidance from the Holy Ghost. For many of us, an inventory was our first effort to write about our lives. A personal journal can continue to be a very powerful tool of recovery. Prophets of the Lord have often 
taught the importance of journals. For example, President Spencer W. Kimball counseled, write your goings and comings, your deepest thoughts, your achievements and your failures, your associations and your triumphs, your impressions and your testimonies. When you prayerfully write about your life, you give the Holy Ghost an opportunity to help you see and understand the potential lessons that come from each of your experiences. If you're not currently keeping a journal, we encourage you to start. If you're already keeping one, we encourage you to be more prayerful as you write so the Lord can teach you and enrich your understanding through His Spirit. Make an accounting of your life, past and present. Completing an inventory will take time. There is no need to rush through it, but you need to get started. Where you begin is not as important as eventually examining your past as far as your memory and the Lord's inspiration will take you. Just write as memories come to your mind. What you write is private, and you will share it only with a trusted support person you will prayerfully select when you take step five. Your inventory is about you and your relationship with yourself with God, and with others. As you gather courage to see yourself as you really are, God will open your eyes, and you will begin to see yourself as He sees you, as one of His children with a divine birthright. Take this step and keep your eyes on that birthright. Remember your sins no more. After you have completed your written inventory, and when the time is right, those portions that include negative or angry expressions accounts of personal transgressions, and any other sensitive matters that should not be shared with others or passed down to future generations should be destroyed. The destruction of these writings can be a symbol of your repentance and a powerful way to let go. The Lord promised Jeremiah concerning his people, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. We should follow the Lord's example in forgiving our own sins and the sins of others. Thank you. We will now turn the time over to our facilitator, Robert, to conduct the sharing portion of this meeting. Hi, everybody. My name is Robert, and I'm hey, an Robert. addict, alcoholic. Hey, Robert. Hey, Robert. Hey, Robert. Good to see you all. I'm honored to be with you. Step four, my favorite step, not... <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how many rehabs. I, I can't remember all my rehabs that I went to. It was at least three or four over a 10-year period. And, uh, you know, I was into doing this by myself because I, I, didn't, I didn't believe that I, that I was capable of being redeemed. And, but I thought, well, I'm a smart guy. I can certainly resolve this by myself and do it. And uh, so they were all 12-step programs, and uh, we'd, we'd get to step you know, you're supposed to take them in order, and uh, I just kind of, I don't say I faked it. I mean, I tried. But I got to step four, and I was like, hmm, you know, could anybody really do a step four or do it right? I didn't think so. Uh, in fact, if I had a dollar for every time I thought about doing step four, I could go to Hawaii for a couple months. <laughs> <laughs> if I had 50 bucks for every time I started to do a a uh, step four, I I might could take my wife out to dinner. (laughs) But but it turns out that our our fears about step four, once I finally got to it, were were not well-founded. Mine was a a pride and fear-driven existence before I 
was able to get enough humility. Luckily for me, seriously, luckily for me, uh, having having to have to go to jail uh, was the best thing that ever happened. And that's it's amazing what happens, whether it's by circumstance or otherwise. That once you acquire some humility, how much easier everything becomes. Uh, because before I would see step four and I would say, uh, you know, I, because of my pride, I would say, well, I don't really need to go there. I just need to stop using. I don't have to examine all that stuff. It's a waste of time. And otherwise, it was a fearful existence. It's, uh, you know, I was afraid of what I would see in the mirror. I did not want to look. But the amazing thing about my recovery is that in a space of really... Uh, Maybe three weeks by the time I got to a point where, it, you know, I got it, was that I did step two, three, four, five, six, and seven in that space of time. And when I walked out of that jail, I could look myself in the mirror and like what I saw. And it was a painful experience, but you know, I found out that these all these fears and this pride—they're just—they're just boogeymen. You know, I want you to do it. I uh, want you're willing to make the sacrifice. You know, for the first time in my life, I, I think I really, to the best of what I could do at the time, uh, you know, I was able to offer a, a, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And that made all the difference. I didn't think about too much at the time that I, I mean, I didn't recognize, I didn't understand a lot of this till even later. But humility goes a long ways, and I still believe that humility is a key to, re, to recovery. And otherwise, it was the enabling power of the atonement that allowed me to do something I could not do for myself. Anybody that tries to recover on their own uh, would have to be as prideful and fearful as I was because it doesn't work. It doesn't work for anybody as far as I know. So I am, I am just so grateful that uh, I had that experience. Um, it was not fun. It was painful. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually, it was painful. But uh, you do it, it all comes out okay. And I'll leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Father. For those of you who have joined us since the meeting, which I don't think is anybody, uh, we welcome you. We'll now begin the sharing portion of the meeting. Share about your personal recovery experience as it relates to the tools of recovery, this week's step, or the step you are currently working on. Please focus your sharing on the solution rather than the problem. Refrain from mentioning graphic details about the practice of your addiction. Remember, crosstalk, which is interrupting or commenting directly about another participant's remarks, is not appropriate. Also, it is perfectly acceptable to pass if you would prefer to listen only. Confidentiality and anonymity foster honesty and make this a safe place to share. Therefore... Whom you see here, what you hear here, when you leave here, let it stay here. Here, here. here, here. In keeping with the principle of anonymity, we invite you to introduce yourself by your first name only. We will conclude the sharing portion five minutes before the end of the meeting for final thoughts from Elder Ennis. Time is now yours to share your experience, faith, and hope. We invite you to share three to five minutes. I will give you a signal if you have used your full time for sharing. In this meeting, we'll proceed clockwise, person to person around the room. Uh, who would like to begin the sharing? Hi, everybody. I'm Steve. Hey, Steve. Hi, Steve. Um, I'm a 
addict, alcoholic, uh, but more importantly, today I'm a, I'm a love, love child of God. Um, you know, this was a, a very hard step for me, uh, but very important as well. As my wife says, and, and, and I quote, uh, this step is where Lot's wife looked back. <laughs> it's uh, definitely hard to do. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, you know, in my addiction for, for 12, or, 12 or 13 years, I was in, in my opiate addiction. Uh, I uh, did a lot of things that hurt a lot of people. Um, and, uh, and because of that, I, I ended up, uh, getting blessed to, to, to go to Salt Lake County jail as well. And, uh, like Robert, that was, that was holy ground for me. That was where I was able to meet my savior and, uh, the chains of addiction were fr- finally loosed. I, I guess you could say, even though I was locked up behind bars, um, I was finally liberated, and uh, and thank goodness for that. Um, there's a couple things I wanted to touch in in the manual real quick. It says uh, how to do an inventory. One way to do an inventory is to list memories of people, institutions, or organizations, principles, ideas, or beliefs, and events, situations, or circumstances that trigger positive and negative feelings, including sadness, regret, Anger, resentment, fear, bitterness. Some items on that list may uh, appear multiple times. That is okay. Do not try to sort or judge or analyze at this point. For now, the most important thing to do is be as thorough as possible. Um, I had seven months to where I could uh, look into the, the mirror of this step, which that's exactly what it was. It was like looking into the mirror um, and reflect on uh, the kind of person I had been. Um, The Savior brought all of my uh, uh, stuff to remembrance, and I knew exactly uh, what I needed to do in order to, to change and and live a more fulfilling life. Um, my, my life was in shambles. And, uh, and thank goodness for my Savior. Because without Him, whew, that would have been a mess to, to clean up. Um, but needless to say, I, I started writing my list and my, all my inventory. And I got a couple pages down on paper. And... Uh, you know, it was it was awfully hard to keep bringing th- things to remembrance because it hurt. It hurt awfully bad. Some of the people I had hurt, some of the relationships I had destroyed. Um, but but I I continued to pray, and uh, you know I I I was working this step with the desperation of a drowning man because that that's what I would have done if I wouldn't have worked this step is, is drowned. Um. So I got it out all out on paper. Um, it took me a while, a day, I think it was about a day. Um, and, and it was a lot of crying. My, my, my celly probably thought there was something wrong with me as much as I was crying. Um, but I, I did get it all out there. 
Um, so there, there was a lot of bad things about me that was hard to swallow. I, I just wanted to touch right here really fast. It says, uh, as you gather courage to see yourself as you really are, God will open your eyes and you will begin to see yourself as he sees you, as one of his children with a divine birthright. Take this step and keep your eyes on that birthright. I am so grateful that I was able to to focus and and, and see that I still had worth um, because wow, some of the things I had done it just it it just blows me away. But but the the Savior is merciful and He wants us to know that we are His uh, sons and daughters and that we do have a a, a divine birthright. Um, and and I want to close with. With just this last paragraph really fast. After you have completed your your written inventory and when the time is right, those portions that include negative or angry expressions, accounts of personal transgressions, and any other sensitive matters that should be shared with, with others or passed down to future generations should be destroyed. The destruction of these writings can be a symbol of your repentance and a powerful way to let go. At times, I, I wish I still had that list, but but uh, I took the advice here, and I took that big list that I had with all my sins and and the, and the things that I had done, and I I actually just crumpled it up and flushed it down the toilet there in the jail, and it was uh, it was a, a symbol of me letting go of my past. Um, it symbolized uh, a lot of pain, a lot of weight I had been carrying around for so long. Uh, a huge elephant I had on my shoulder that I that weighed me down so much. I was I was finally able to to let go, um, and it, and it is because of of my Savior and how He uh, broke the chains of addiction for me. Um, this step is is one of our Savior's tools to to set us free and and liberate us and give us joy and peace and happiness that we can't even comprehend. And I'm thankful for that. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. My name's Scott, and I'm a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. Hey, Scott. Hey, Scott. Hi, Scott. Um, I came into this program in 2002, and and uh, I feel like within the first, you know, few months, I was able to go through steps one, two, and three. But when it came to four, I just, I literally just balked. And for, I did that for two years. Just my sponsor was constantly trying to get me to, to start step four. And I just, it just seemed so overwhelming. And I did not want to look at my past at all. I didn't want to look at the things I had done when I was using, and um, I just, I chose not to do that, and, you know, he kept, you know, telling me, you're not going to progress, you're not going to get sober, and I didn't listen to any of that, and, um, of course, I I didn't get much sobriety, not working through my step four, and just like, you know, Robert and Steve, I I made choices while I was using that wound me up in the Utah State Prison. And um, once I was there, I, I was 
quite a bit more humble, you know, and I was willing to listen to my sponsor, like when he, I'd talk to him on the phone or he'd come to visit, and, but then I still, you know, I still, it took, I did six and a half years in the Utah State Prison, it wasn't even until I was in there five years, I was in there five years when I finally went out into the day room and got a pen and some paper and just started writing. And, you know, just like Steve was saying, it was a very painful experience. And I remember one time, one point just, I was writing on a Sunday and and I, I was blessed that the bishop that was over the branch down there had called me in to meet with him. And I just told him, I just broke down and I'm like, I told him I'm doing my step four inventory and it's it's just really hard and you know I just felt emotionally a wreck and there was part of me that was triggered there was part of me that was uh wanting that life and then there was part of me that was just like I can't believe you did that and but I was really grateful I I had all the time in the world to work through mine so mine ended up being 74 pages long but I wouldn't suggest to anybody to to do one that long you know I had happened to have the time and I'm a perfectionist and so I just wanted to make sure I got everything down and you know I brought it in and and presented it to actually my my therapist in the prison and he he took it and, and read it over I don't know the course of a couple of days or something and 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 then I went and met with him again, and he and he said, he you know I thought okay now he's going to reject me you know because now he knows everything and he didn't you know I found that that's not what happens you know when we when we do our step four we present it to our to our uh, sponsor or whoever we choose our bishop or whoever we can at the time my sponsor wasn't there so I wasn't able to do that but you know I felt so free and. I was so um, grateful that I did do that, and um, I, I'm, I'm thankful for this program. I, I know that when we are reading in this chapter, there's always this uh, these six words that always stand out to me on page 23, in the upper left-hand paragraph. And the first time I noticed it was when I was in prison and when I was working on this step. It says... And it's just six words. It says, reveal the truth, face the truth. And so that's what this step's about. It's just about revealing the truth and facing the truth. And with that, I'll say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, God. God. Thanks, God. My name's Cammie, and I'm a recovering addict. Hey, Cammie. Hi, Cammie. Hi, Cammie. Um, when I first wrote my step four, I didn't include any positive things in it when I looked at like the instructions I just took it as write down everything bad you ever did and so that that was kind of intimidating and the other reason why it took me took me I've only been in the program two years and it took me a year to work on my step four and I think the reason why it took me so long is I clumped like um, writing your inventory, um, sharing it with someone, 
and repenting for everything on your list all in one step. So it was really intimidating for me. And um, so that was probably what made it hard for me. And also, like Scott, I'm kind of a perfectionist, so I just wanted to write everything down. Um, I started school again, and I was thinking about it in my planner. Like, um, whenever we have a homework assignment, I write it down so I don't have to remember it anymore. And then I have, like, this weight off of my back. And I was thinking it's kind of like um, writing down your moral inventory. It's like once you write that down, like, you don't have to worry about it anymore. And um, writing down my... Um, moral inventory was a big part of my addiction. Um, with my eating disorder, I think I used it like for everything. And um, the things I had done in the past just really haunted me. I didn't want anybody to figure, like, to find out. Um, I was really like, ashamed of it um it even held me back from getting my patriarchal blessing until just a few years ago because I thought in my patriarchal blessing it would just be like heavenly father Cammie I know what you've done repent and um so it was a really important step for me and um it's just, it was good for me to see, you know, my the history I've made for myself. And um, they always talk about, at least for, probably for all addictions, but for eating disorders, like triggers. And um, it was really helpful for me. And um, I think that was the hardest thing. I just made it hard on myself. And also... You know, Satan didn't want me to do it either. Um, one of my, a member of my bishop, Brooks, when I was in the singles ward, he said, which really helped me one time when I went to repent, I just, like, had a crazy blow-up with a roommate. He said, um, he's like, Cammy, um, do you know who knows He's like, there's two people who know your full potential, what you can accomplish. And he's like, Heavenly Father, but also Satan. And that's always really stuck with me. It's like, um, that's why Satan's working so hard on me, because he doesn't want me to accomplish what I can. And um, that's also helped me with my recovery. And I'm just so grateful to be here and the people I meet. It's really humbly, a humbling experience to be here, and um, I guess I just feel like humbled and really grateful for um, just everything I've been given today, and uh, I guess you know I would. I wish, you know, everyone can come to these meetings and, um, because I hate to think about where I was and so I, I never will go back and, um,
good to be truthful and honest with yourself. And I say these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thanks, Cammie. Cammie. Thanks, Cammie. Hi, I'm Abra. Hey, Abra. I'm a recovering addict. Um, I, when I did my step four this time, um, well, when I did it the first time, um, I was 19 and I had this friend that had been ordered to go to AA because by the court and my experience with AA was nothing like anybody else's because he had a sponsor that thought that, you know, you go to AA and you drink a cup of coffee and you go have a cigarette and then you go to the bar. And that's what AA was. And uh, so I was really jaded about um, doing 12 steps and I was like 19. And and so he says, well, but you have to do the steps and with me because I have to turn him into the court. And I'm like, fine, whatever. Because he didn't have a driver's license. I had to drive him. And I'm like, whatever, you know. <laughs> so we'll do it. So I had, like, I he did this like three times. He got re- sent by the court to AA meetings. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. So um, we went to, I have these books and where I would write stuff. And I'm like, this is just stupid. You know, why do I have to repent? I didn't believe in God at that point. And I, I didn't have to, you know, why do I have to, to write all this stuff down? You know, like everybody else, I was like, this is just really ridiculous. And so then I came to these meetings and prior to that, I had, I had, um, gone through the repentance process so that I could go to the temple and, um, so I went and, and I sat and I prayed with my husband and I, I said to the heavenly father, I, I know that I have to do this again. I have to go through all this again. And, and, um, my husband said, I don't know that I can do this again with you because that, the first time was hard enough. And, and I said, no, but I have to do it. And all these things, these little things kept coming back to me. And, and I was so scared that, you know, that I hadn't repented for everything so I could go to the temple and the heavenly father was going to like, he, I was going to go give my temple recommend to the guy at the desk and he was going to like know that I had these things I hadn't repented for. And he was going to take my recommend and he was going to be like, I don't know, you know, God told me you can't come in here. And, um, you know, I just, cause I just knew, you know, and, um, so I started writing down this inventory and it, I was like six weeks writing this inventory and I went to the mission coordinators and I, um, I was really good friends with. And I said, I, I says, I'm spinning. I feel like I need to go out and use And I had been clean for, I don't know, like nine years. And I said, I'm just spinning. I just, I feel like I need to go out and I need to use and And this wonderful woman who is just, I mean, she's just the greatest woman. She said to me, then you just need to move on. Just go do your step five. And and I said, but I'm not done. I'm, I'm only like until I'm like 11, you know. I says, and she says, what are you doing? And I says, I'm writing everything down. She says, oh, my gosh. She says, you're just really just just move on, you know, and come back to it. She says, in 12 weeks, you're going to do it again, you know. And, and um, immediately I just felt the Lord just put his arms around me and, and just say, I, you know, I love you. What are you doing to yourself? And for that six weeks, I had not felt that love because I was just really beating myself up. You know, I hadn't, I had not been doing any of my, 
I hadn't been praying. I hadn't been reading my scriptures because I knew that God would be so mad at me because I hadn't been doing the right things in my life. And, and my husband said to me, I knew this was a bad idea. I knew this was a bad idea. And, um, and so when I did my step for this time, which it worked out fine. I just, every, every 12 weeks I do my step four and I just work on a little piece of my life because I do, I get really down on myself and I start spinning and my husband goes, Oh my gosh, we're going to go through this again. And he's so sweet. He, he says, okay. He hands me this. I have this, this big stack of books and, and you know, the composition notebooks and he, he'll hand me this. He's how many are going to use this time, you know? And, and, um, so this time when I did it, um, I remembered, um, because we had talked about, you know, we just done, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had talked about when I was, um, in the, the drug house and, and, um, almost being sold into white slavery. And I was talking with my mom and I remembered that there was some things that I hadn't, um, repented for. And I just really started weeping and I said, mom, I am so sorry. I said, I, I remember this and this and, and I haven't repented. And, and I said, I don't know what to do because I said, there's not enough sorries I can ever tell you in my life that will let you know how sorry I am for what I've done. I said, I was the worst child. And, and she looked at me and she said, no, she says, you weren't the worst child. I have some siblings that are probably a lot worse than me, but, um, she said, you doing this, you going through this process has brought such joy to your life. She says, and every time you do a step four, you get really down on yourself. She says, and she referred to in the manual to where it says that, that God wants us to have, to see us as he sees us and with a divine birthright, that he always sees us that way, whether we're screwing up or not. And immediately again, I felt that love of my heavenly father that he loves me regardless of whether I'm doing bad or whether I'm doing good. And, and, and I just always, you know, I, I always am trying to remember that as, as I do my step four this week, that my heavenly father just really loves me. And it's okay that when I was 19, I screwed up a lot. And, you know, now that I'm, you know, in my thirties, it's okay that I screwed up because now I'm, I'm on the right path and I'm, you know, holding on to the iron rod and doing all those things. And, and I'm grateful that my heavenly father has brought me to this program. Like Cammy, I don't ever want to go back to that place. I don't ever want to feel that shame that I felt. I'm so thankful for each of you for sharing your life with me because I know that your stories and your life's give me strength. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thanks, Abra. Well, I'm Sharon, and I'm an addict. Hi, Sharon. I always have a lot of thoughts about step four and five every time we get to it. Um, I'm a little bit, my my step four experience, my step five experience um, is a little bit unique, only in the fact that I was 15 years old the first time I did a major thorough inventory. And... I uh, wasn't really into the churchy thing back then. I was exposed to it, but I was pretty active in AA. Um, but I had a desire, and the only thing that um, that the AA traditions say is that you have to have a desire to stay sober, and that I had. And I may not have had the strongest testimony at the time, and I may not have 
uh, you know, had the most sobriety at the time or had it all together. Um, and of course, being 15 on top of it after uh, being a graduate of Odyssey House twice by the time I was 15. Um, yeah, I mean, needless to say, I had some issues. But um, I knew I didn't want what I had done anymore. I didn't want to go back to that ugly, horrible place. And I knew what incomprehensible demoralization was before I ever picked up a drink. And I knew what incomprehensible moralization was when I was in a crack house praying to God to get the heck out of there, to have something different. And when it came to doing this step four, I had um, was coming to the ARP addiction recovery meetings, but I didn't fit right in, but they never turned me away. Um, and I liked um, AA, but I didn't, I didn't really like their format for step four either. And I had a wonderful sponsor, and my sponsor said, I want you to just write. Pray before you write. It doesn't have to look like this book or that book or, you know, she says, you have a willingness. Remember that God knows already what you did. So just take a pen out, pray before you write and write. And however it comes out, it comes out. And then she goes, and remember to make some good stuff in there. You know, it's not a bashing. And I really loved my sponsor because my sponsor was an active member of AA, but she was also active LDS. And she had all the things I always wanted, long-term marriage. Um, she worked for a senator for many, many years. And just, you know, always seemed like she had it together. <laughs> and sometimes I, um, I she, she's got 30-plus years now, and I celebrated 23 years in February. And then if we look... I come from good stock, I think, in recovery. <laughs> um, but it took a process, and I remember writing that fourth step, and it was really awkward. And hiding it, you know, I had three brothers and three sisters, so hiding that fourth step where they couldn't get it was really quite the challenge. Because um, I can tell you the many times that they raided my diaries and, you know, got into my things, so to hide that was really quite the challenge. But when I finished, I had a, a really thick stack. Yeah, for my age, I was pretty significant. And I remember sharing it with this woman. Because my sponsor told me, you didn't have to share it with your sponsor. She said, you have to share it with somebody you trust. And so I found this lady that seemed to have gone through what I went through. And I said, I just need to dump this. Do you mind listening for a while? And I dumped it all. And when I was done, I was ready for this condemnation and I didn't get that. I got this huge hug and that it was okay. Um, it was a couple of years before I could go share all of that with my bishop. And uh, a matter of fact, I always encourage particularly women who have a lot of significant things to, to share it with a woman first. You know, it's sometimes that you're not always, it doesn't always feel safe to do it with a bishop at first. It just, I can tell you from my own experience, but um, now as a sponsor who's taken a lot of women through four steps and fifth steps, um, I know it's one of the most sacred steps that you can do. And I always encourage my ladies to always make sure they write 40 good things. I don't care if, if you used your whole life. I mean, there's got to be at least 40 on there because it can't be a bashing. And there's some... Sometimes um, I can tell you through my experience in recovery, there are people who are doing the fourth step. They can't even read or write. 
And one, one of the tools I learned is that you can do it on a tape recorder. At least write it, you know, or at least speak it. The thing is that all this stuff is in the dark, and when we bring it into the light, rather you're writing it or talking about it, is getting into the light. And when you bring these things to the light, all that beautiful healing happens. And, you know, the thing to remember, and I, at least I found it through my own four-step, as I was writing, I could see where the Savior was in the thick of it with me. I remember that. I can I could visualize it, and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, he didn't hate me through all that. I'm pretty sure he didn't like what I was doing. I know I didn't like what I was doing. <laughs> but... I do know that when I was done, I felt a beautiful, loving presence. And um, as a matter of fact, one of the things that I've learned, a little tip, and I'm happy to share it, is just that when you're writing, your fourth step is to put a blanket around you as you write. And just allow yourself to be comforted. And also putting a picture of the Savior helps as you write. Because the whole point is to just be free from it. And I'm... I also learned that when there's major significant events to do another four-step. I AA only does one big four-step, and then you have a tenth step. And I, it's really funny because I um, had worked with this woman in this program, and I didn't understand why every few months she was calling me to do a fifth step. And I'm like, we just did one. We just did one. And I said, why are we doing another one? And then she told me, well, we're on step four again. And I laughed so hard. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's right. Okay, we did every 12 weeks in this program. <laughs> so I don't think you ever have to do a major one more than once. But I do always recommend, you know, just being on top of it. And I don't know. I'm just really grateful for these steps. I'm grateful for this program. I couldn't even imagine where my life would be without it. And I'm always grateful when I come and I listen to everybody where they're at because we're all in different places at any given day as addicts. Our brains are just that wired that way. But I love coming and just being uplifted and um, sharing each other's burdens. And that's how we stay clean. And I'm really grateful for my Heavenly Father, for my sponsor. I'm grateful for the AA program and I'm grateful for the ARP program. And um, they've both worked in my life and I'm uh, just grateful for all that the Savior's done for me. And I say some images, Christ, amen. 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 Thank you, Sharon. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks, you too. My name is Rich. Hey, Rich. Hi, Rich. I am a child of God and a recovering drug addict. I'm grateful to be here with you guys tonight. I love you very much. Um, step four took me about six months before I would even consider uh, doing it. And um, I felt like I had made these first three steps and I was standing on this third step and I'm looking up and I can see the savior standing 12 steps uh, from the bottom. And the next step I believed was so insurmountable. Felt all these fears and anxiety, but I was willing to do whatever it took. And, um, I started that step forward. Those feelings that I, I had at the time, there's a song that I love. Um, uh, it's called Not the Only One. and talks about Moses standing at the edge of the sea. And the lyrics say, there's a man who is standing at the edge of the sea with thousands of people leaning on him. 
and I knew what that felt like. I knew what it felt like to have my back up against the wall. I knew what it felt like to have these armies rushing on me, nowhere to go. But in the song, it also says that I'm not the only one who has ever been cornered when suddenly God split the sea. And when I got to that edge, I'd be willing to do what it took to ask the Lord to split the sea for me and ask for that help, ask for that help to make it through. And I made it through on dry ground, made it through on that dry ground. And I learned so much about myself. About a year and a half ago, um, we moved moved into this new house. It was beautiful. And as we were getting ready to move, I went through all of my stuff that I'd had for years and years. And I found these boxes that I hadn't opened in three and four years. And I looked at them and I thought to myself, there's nothing that I've needed in here for the last four years. Do I need it now? And those boxes that I left taped up, I threw them away. Um... Then there was boxes that I would open, I would take one look at and realize that there was nothing in there that I needed anymore. There was nothing that I needed in my new life and in my new home that that was something that I wanted as part of my life. That was ultimately what I found to be the case as I went through my life in this step four, in this inventory. As I would open up these parts of my life, these boxes and these things that I hadn't used or hadn't looked at in years, I'd realize there was nothing in there for me that there was no more purpose for me to do that. And I, I got rid of them. I got rid of those things. I was willing to give them up. The things that I took with me, there wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot, to be honest. But the things that I kept mean so much to me um, because I know that they're useful to me today. I know that they're things that I can use on a daily basis. It's that same thing that I learned in this program. I have these strengths. I'm very stubborn. I'm a very stubborn individual, and that helped me get through step four. I'm um, very thorough. Um, I'm very detail-oriented. That also helped me get through step four. I had all these strengths that I found, strengths and gifts, really gifts of the Spirit um, that I was given to help me get through that process. I just want to testify about my own knowledge that this is part of the atonement to go through and to look at what it is to keep and what it is to get rid of and to turn things over to the Savior. I'm grateful for for this part of the program, for this this aspect of it, the opportunity to do an inventory and to learn so much about myself. I was so afraid to look in that mirror and do that inventory. But when I did, I looked back and I saw myself waiting, waiting for um, that change. I testify of the atonement of Jesus Christ in my, in my life and its availability to everyone. I say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, Rich. Rich. I'm Lindsay. I'm an addict. Hey, Lindsay. Hi. Um, my first step four, I actually did while I was in treatment. Um, and I was in this treatment center for about four or five months for the inpatient part. 
And I had been in there for about four months at this point. I had been working on my fourth step for a while, I mean, compared to the other, the other people in there. And I just didn't really have anything on that list. Um, I was so numb and so shut down that I just thought everything was great. Um, you know, I'd been sober for a few months. You know, I had done the jail thing, gotten out. And to me, life seemed all right. Um, I wasn't really angry with anybody. I didn't see where I had wronged people or hurt people. Um, I mean, I knew it in my head, kind of, but I had forgotten a lot, and I had shut a lot of it out. And so a couple different things happened while I was in treatment. First of all, there was this group that happened. And I remember I was being processed. People were just kind of talking and confronting me, and, um, and it was a scary situation for me. I did not like it, to say the least. And anyway, during this time, though, all of a sudden, um, my mind just got flooded with every single wrong thing <laughs> that I had ever done to anybody. Um, and it was just flash after flash of all of these different experiences that I had had. Um, and during that time, I just started crying. I totally lost it. For about an hour and a half, a solid hour and a half, I was just crying um, while I was experiencing all this pain and um, every way I had hurt my family and my children and parents and, you know, um, strangers, the public, just everything. Anyway, so that was one experience. And I know, looking back, that it was a spiritual thing that happened to me, and it was straight from the Lord because I didn't know how to do it myself, and it, it wasn't happening. Um, the Lord was the one who did that for me. He put those um, memories in my mind so I could start the recovery process. Another experience that I had was... Um, there's this van and people hit it and they get the sledgehammer and they're supposed to get anger out. Um, and anyways, I did not want to do that. I just felt awkward and I was kind of shy. I didn't know how to get angry, you know, and I, I didn't feel resentment towards anybody. Um, so I went and did it anyways, though, cause I, I kind of felt the spirit telling me you need to do this. And I don't know why a lot of weird things happen in treatment. <laughs> um, so I just decided to go for it. I said, okay, I'll do it. So I went out to that van one day, and the whole group was out there, everyone in the treatment center, and my counselor. And normally people, they, they yell while they're hitting the van, and they scream things that they're angry about and um, upset about. And I didn't have a voice. I didn't know what I was mad about. I still didn't know what I was mad about. So I started hitting this van, and my counselor started saying things. And, um, and every single thing that she said, I don't even know exactly, because she was kind of a newer counselor. I don't know where it all came from. Well, I do. Um, that came from the Lord, too. The Lord told her what to say and the things that I needed to remember um, to be able to get angry and to get my emotion out. You know, um, the spirit is not just a comforter. It's a teacher. It's about, you know, learning to progress and to move forward. And sometimes we need to feel those feelings, that negativity and along with the, the positive stuff to be able to move forward. I know I did. So that was my first experience with my step four. And um, I was able to do a pretty thorough step four with that. I still made the choice of not letting it go, though. Um, and about a year later, I did another step four. I put down all of the same things that I did the first time. Um, and this time, for whatever reason, I chose to let go of that stuff. Um, and today, I don't have to. I don't have to relive that anymore. Um, I don't have to do step four after step four after step four. If something comes up, I do. You know, I'll I'll write it out and I'll do a little mini step four. But I don't have to relive all of the things that I did um, in the past ten years. Um, I'm just so grateful for step four and the opportunity to to get honest and to look at myself in the mirror um, because it's just like that saying. You know, the truth will. Sh 
shall set you, (laughs) the truth shall set you free. Um, and it's just like that, you know, when I was able to look at myself in the mirror and to get honest with myself, I was able to get that freedom and that liberty and that, um, and that happiness and that peace and that joy. Um, step four was just, it was really, really hard, but it was awesome and liberating at the same time. I definitely have a testimony of this, this program. I heard a saying, um, to go along with what I heard earlier tonight about the bands will be loose, the addiction bands. I heard this and I don't know where it came from. I heard it in a fireside, but I really, really love it. And it says it will take, it takes a prince with a sword to cut Um, Satan's tentacles. And I think it's so true. You know, um, our savior is our prince and he is the only one who can cut those tentacles and those, those bands of addiction. And he has done that for me. And, um, like Sharon also said, um, he was there through the thick of it with me. Um, he was there all of those times, you know, I can look back and, you know, when I was homeless and I was bathing in the the bathroom of the gas station. I know he was right there with me crying and, you know, whispering in my ear that he loved me, whether I heard it or not, he was right there. So I'm so grateful for that. I have testimony that the Lord lives and that he loves each and every one of us so, so much. Um, this program works if we work it, it's, it's an action thing and we have to do these steps and we might take a while to do step four because we're scared. I know I was, and it took me a long, long time to get it right. Well, I don't know that I got it right, but <laughs> to, to at least do it and finish it, it took me a while to get to that point. Um, but once we can, we can do that, we can move on, and we can be free. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, 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 Thanks. My name is Dub. Dub. I'm a grateful son of God who happens to be a full-blown drug addict and a real alcoholic and all those allergies that go with them like lying, cheating, and stealing, conning, and manipulating. Uh, I found in my past, in my early days of working the program, back in the late 60s, if I spent too much time with any of those character weaknesses, rather than break out in rash, I would break out in handcuffs. So that... that give me a desire to get a sponsor and 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 uh, work this program and my my sponsor uh god rest his soul he was could see that that i was very willing to do whatever he had asked to go to any lengths as they say in aa and so when we got to step four he watched me floundering for a few days, and then after one of the meetings at Arid Acres, right outside of Farmington, New Mexico, where I grew up, uh, I got ready to head out and get in my car, and he goes, whoa, big fella. And I go, what? And he says, we're not going nowhere tonight until you get step four done. So go over in that corner and put that dunce cap on and get to work. <laughs> so... You know, I was amazed once I started writing of what a powerful relief. You know, I had no idea it would feel that good. There's there's some magic from here down, and, and I'd never been a great writer. Uh, but, man, this this was soothing, just getting it out. Of, of my brain and letting all these people, places, and things 
discontinue living in my brain rent-free so that I might have room for a spiritual awakening. Because if there's one thing that Dr. Bob and Bill W. Uh, discovered is, is that there is no recovery without a spiritual awakening. And, uh, you know, that, that to me was so powerful because they had tried everything else, including shock treatment, being locked behind a door for 30 days with their f- food slid under the door. You know, they were willing to do anything, and then they stumbled upon, they said, you know, we've tried everything. Let's let's try this recovery spiritually. So once I found out the healing process that took place in 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 sharing my step four and five, uh, my bishop got to be where every Sunday I would track him down and and say, "Hey, bishop, you got a few minutes?" And he'd say, "No, Dub." We're all good. We're all good. <laughs> so he he had heard my step five multiple times, and he was good with it. So <laughs> that's how addicted I came to step four and five. That's truly where the rubber hits the road. Uh, I have learned so much here tonight. It's it's true what uh, Joseph Smith uh, said. Uh, when he had the School of the Prophets in Kirtland, Ohio, that uh, that particular day, it's in the 88th section of the Doctrine and Covenants, 117 through 123, when he says, choose among yourselves a teacher, and that would be our group leader, missionary, and let not all share at once, but let one share at a time. And when all have shared that all may be edified of all. In other words, Joseph was saying, if you come to hear a sermon from me today, you're going to be disappointed because we are going to learn from one another. So since I'm a knucklehead, I I truly believe that was the first 12-step meeting in the LDS church. So anyway, I... I love the people in this room because it was people like you in rooms like this that I came to early on that loved me until I could stand myself. And God lives and Jesus is the Christ. I know where I can find the Savior every day from 12 to 1.30. It's in one of these meetings. This is the Savior's program. And then uh, tonight it's 7 to 8.30, and then other weeknights it's 7.30 to 9. So anytime I, I need to feel the embrace of the Savior, I get to a meeting. And it's usually two a day because that's what I need. So again, I'm grateful to be part of this group, the the love that we feel for one another is just absolutely God sent. I say that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, Deb. Thank you all so much. Uh, Deb, I have been edified, and I think we probably all have. Elder Vanessa, we'll turn the time back to you. Thanks, Robert. Uh, once again, as always, it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing to be here with each one of you. Um, 
personally, I want to thank each one of you for uh, your stories, your testimonies, for what you add to this meeting. Um, truly bringing a, your own soul unto Christ. It's a work in progress. It's definitely a work in progress. And, uh, you know, as pertaining to step four, step four is basically where we get to make good uh, what we decided to do in step three, um, where we decided to turn uh, our will and our life over to the care of God, the Eternal Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, step four is the opportunity for us to make good on that promise. Um, it really becomes an action step. Within step four, uh, it's a sanctifying step. It's one wherein, as we embark upon digging into our life, looking into the mirror, uh, we have the opportunity within step four uh, to really discover the Savior. Uh, within our step four, I would, you know, everybody comes unto Christ and they have their experiences, but step four is really where you learn who the Savior is and what He already knows. He already knows the pain that you're going through. Uh, he already knows the pain that you've already endured, and He's already suffered for it. Really, step four is our opportunity to face ourselves and uh, come unto the Savior. Uh, as, we, as we do so, uh, there's a scripture uh, that I want to share uh, that deals directly with this. Uh, it's one that we are all very, very familiar with. Ether chapter 12, verse 27. And if men come unto me, and I'm going to liken it directly to step four as we take step four. If men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness that they may be humble, and my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. Uh, for me, this is what my step four did for me. Uh, you cannot recover. You cannot progress if you're not willing to take step four. Uh, step four is an opportunity for you to reach back to within your life and with the Savior. You know, we... We're all scared about what everybody else thinks and what everybody else would say that we need to do. Uh, individuals are, are very timid whenever uh, we're being judged by others. Who better to come to and have the Savior show us what our weaknesses are? Rather than everybody else, let's go to the Savior. Uh, step four is that opportunity for each of us to take. Um, and it's been my personal experience and it's my testimony that is we take step four. Within step four, you will find the Savior if you have not already found Him yet. Uh, within step four, it's an opportunity for us to humble ourselves. When it really comes down to it, uh, 
there's a quote by Elder Hales uh, back in October conference, last October conference, where he was speaking about trials and tribulation. And he's basically saying, why these trials? What for? To what end? And he says a very profound statement. He, and I paraphrase, uh, he says basically that uh, these trials, these tribulations that we go through are for us and our Heavenly Father to see if we will use our agency, our will, to follow His Son. Um, Really, uh, step four, we have the opportunity to get to know the Savior, to exercise our faith in Him and choose to follow Him. Uh, In step four, we face ourselves. We come unto Him. And through the Spirit, uh, He will lead us. He will guide us. Uh, He will give you promptings. Uh, He will communicate to you from heaven. And He will show what your weaknesses are to you. Uh, And we have the choice that we can either choose the Savior and His proven methods, or we can continue to choose Satan's proven methods. That's, That's something that's pretty profound to me is that both the Savior and Satan's methods are proven. The Savior's methods of dealing and coping and uh, going through trials and tribulation, His methods are proven. They do bring light. They do bring life. They do bring love. They do bring liberty. And Satan's methods of dealing with pain, hurt, trial, tribulation, I mean, we, throughout this room, We've all tried several of his methods, whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, eating disorders. They all are proven. They are proven that they do destroy. They bring destruction. So we're caught in the middle, and it's up to us, as Elder Hale said, will we use our agency to follow the Savior? Will we prove to our Father in Heaven, will we prove to ourselves that we will follow the Savior? Step four is a perfect opportunity to show our Heavenly Father and ourselves that we will use our agency, that we will use our will to follow His Son, Jesus Christ. I want to take the opportunity to bear witness of Him. I love Jesus with all my heart. He is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He does possess the power to liberate us. The captives who are held bound by Satan, He has the power to break the, chain, break the chains of addiction, of habit, and liberate us. His love is real. His atonement is real. And everything that He said that He can do is real. Once again, I testify that nobody has traveled beyond Him or the reach of His atonement. Nobody has traveled beyond it. I love Him, and I testify of Him in that love, and I do so humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, You bet. In closing, please remember that what has been shared here is confidential and that the opinions expressed here are those of the individual who expressed them and do not necessarily represent LDS Family Services or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We encourage you to purchase a personal copy of the guide for note-taking during the meeting. We also recommend using the studying and understanding and action step sections between meetings to build on what you've heard here and experienced in this meeting.
Finally, we thank each of you for your participation. Your presence here demonstrates your humility and faith and inspires hope in everyone attending today. Will somebody please volunteer to offer a closing prayer? I will. Thank you, Abra. Our dear, kind, and gracious Heavenly Father, as we come before Thee at the close of this group meeting this evening, we thank Thee for the loving spirit that's been here with us and round and about us. We thank Thee for the love we've felt one for another and for the willingness that we have had to share our lives one with another. We ask Thee, Heavenly Father, as we go about our about our week this week, that we will be able to feel that loving spirit and as we do our step forward this week, that we will be able to know of thy love for us and as we struggle, we will be able to call upon thee and that we will be able to know that thou art with us. We ask that as we go home from our meeting this evening, we will do so in a safe manner and that no harm or accident will befall us. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for this program for the missionaries and facilitators and the time that they give unto us. We say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Find hope and connect with God and others who understand you through the Church's Addiction Recovery Program. Join us at a virtual or in-person support group meeting. Visit addictionrecovery.churchofjesuschrist.org to get started.